On today's episode, we continue through Grimm's Fairy Tales with a story titled The Little Mouse, The Little Bird, and The Sausage. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions. Welcome to the Shadow Bear Story Sessions, the podcast about how folk tales and fairy tales were way more fun and entertaining back when they were super dark and completely insane, before a bunch of movie studios decided that they should be more family-friendly. We don't need any of that, and so here at Shadow Bear, we're going through Grimm's Fairy Tales front to back, the original versions, and that brings us to the 23rd story in Grimm's Fairy Tales, a little tale titled The Little Mouse, The Little Bird, and The Sausage. Let's not waste any time. We begin. Once upon a time, a little mouse, a little bird, and a sausage came together and set up house. This is another one of these stories where a bunch of random, seemingly at-odds cohabitants decide, hey, let's be roomies. And in this particular case, one of them isn't even a living thing. For a long time, they lived together in peace and happiness, and they managed to increase their possessions by a considerable amount. The little bird's job was to fly into the forest every day and bring back wood. The mouse had to carry water, light the fire, and set the table, while the sausage did the cooking. I can't tell if that's appropriate or if that's cruel, to make the sausage do the cooking. It's like making a pig eat pork. In any event, we continue. Now, if things go too well for people, they always look for new things. So one day, as the bird was flying about, he came upon another bird. And he boasted and told him about his superb situation. But the other bird called him a poor sap, because he had to do most of the work while the other two friends had easy lives. For instance, after the mouse started the fire and carried the water into the house... She generally went to her little room and rested until she was called to set the table. The sausage stayed by the pot and kept an eye on the cooking, and right at mealtime he slid through the stew or vegetables to make sure everything was salted, seasoned, and ready to eat. As soon as the little bird came home and laid down his bundle, they would sit down at the table and after finishing the meal they would sleep soundly until the next morning. Such was their glorious life. However, the little bird had been disturbed by what the other bird had said the previous day, and told his companions that he had been their slave long enough, and was no longer going to be taken for a fool. I mean, all he's doing is going and getting some wood. He's a bird. He's just picking up a couple twigs, bringing them back. Doesn't sound like he's doing a great deal of work either. He wanted them to change and try another arrangement. No matter how long the mouse and the sausage vehemently argued against this, the bird dominated and insisted that they try a new way. So they drew lots and it fell upon the sausage to get the wood. The mouse became cook and the bird was to fetch water. Well, don't send the sausage out to get wood. He's going to get a bunch of dirt and twigs and a bunch of nasty shit all over himself. What happened? After the sausage went to fetch the wood, the bird started the fire, and the mouse put the kettle on the stove. Then they waited for the sausage to return home with the wood for the next day. 
However, the sausage was gone for such a long time that the other two had an uneasy feeling, and the bird flew out a little way to meet him. Not far from their home, the sausage had encountered a dog. Oh, God. Not surprising at all. Now this dog had considered the sausage free game, and had grabbed him and swallowed him down. The little bird arrived and accused the dog of highway robbery, but it was of no use, for the dog maintained he had found forged letters on the sausage, and therefore the sausage had had to pay for this with his life. The fuck? If the dog considered the sausage fair game and went for it, and just ate him up? Fine. Why is he accusing him of forgery? It just seems sort of like kicking him when he's down. Like, you just killed the guy. Now you're shit-talking him to his friends? Like, no, he had forged letters. So what would the letters say? What kind of trouble is this sausage trying to stir up in this medieval, magical, wonder hellscape? And in what universe is a death penalty appropriate for forgery. Come on, dog. Just overkill. We know you're lying. Just be like, yeah, there was a sausage on the ground. You think I'm not going to eat that sausage? Sorry about it, but, you know, maybe you're a bird. You probably should be going to get wood, right? Doesn't make sense to send a sausage out to get wood. Obviously, it's going to get eaten. Regardless, I'm getting sidetracked here. We continue. Now, The little bird sadly picked up the wood and carried it back home. He told the mouse what he had seen and heard, and they were very distressed. Nevertheless, they agreed to do the best they could and stay together. Meanwhile, the little bird set the table, and the mouse prepared the meal. She intended to put the finishing touches on it by seasoning it and sliding through the vegetables the way the sausage used to do. But before she even reached the middle of the vegetables, she got stuck and had to pay for it with her life. Oh dear. When the bird came to serve the meal, there was no cook. He became so upset that he scattered wood all over the place, calling and searching for the mouse, but his cook was no longer to be found. Well, did he look into the pan and see, like, charred mouse? Since the little bird was so distracted, he didn't notice that the wood had caught fire, and the house went up in flames. The bird rushed out to fetch some water, but the bucket slipped and fell into the well, dragging the bird along. Since he couldn't manage to get himself out, he was left to drown. The End I'm going to be honest, as it was sort of rounding the end there, I thought the bird was just going to go up in flames with the house. And then when he went out to the water, I'm like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe not. Maybe he'll be okay. But like, nope, down the well, dead in the well. So kind of a fun little curveball there to finish the trio of deaths here. Well, that didn't go well at all. Just trying to mix up their daily routine and they all died. All right, now what's the lesson here? Well, I think the intended lesson, based on the line partway through that says, now if things go too well for people, they always look for new things. It kind of seems to imply that the lesson is don't be greedy if things are working out. Keep them the way that they are. 
and don't get greedy about things. But the bird never really got greedy. It was the other bird sort of planting the, the negativity in the first bird's mind. So the intended lesson, I think, is sort of stick to what you do best. And if a system is working, don't change it. Don't get greedy. Okay, I like the message that a system works best when everyone is doing the specific things that they do best. But I don't think everyone should just have to stick to doing one thing. They should do what makes them happy as long as it works. And in this instance, everyone was perfectly happy with the system the way it was. It was the second asshole bird who comes in and, and judges the first bird's life. It was like, you're a sucker, man. He's the one who, who really caused the downfall here. I think the real lesson is don't let someone else's assessment of your life dictate how you feel about your life. Bird's perfectly happy until other bird says you're doing all the work. So I think the real lesson here is don't let other people tell you how happy you are. I mean, the bird is a bird. There's the old expression of birds gotta fly. That bird doesn't want to stay in and cook or make the table. That bird is doing what it wants to do. It's out flying around, gathering some twigs and wood for the fire. It seems and it's very happy doing this. It's just bird number two gets all judgy. It makes the first bird feel bad about himself. So yeah, lesson is don't let other people's judgment affect how you see yourself and your life and your happiness. Do what makes you happy, especially if it's already working really well. And clearly it is. It says they, they're, what's the, what's the phrasing here? They managed to increase their possessions by a considerable amount. Things are going well here. And if you do want to change things up, just think it through. Think through the best way to do that. Don't just draw lots and send a sausage out into the woods. It's ridiculous. It would get disgusting out in the woods. Anyway, I've made my point. Let's adapt this. So, modern day, I'm going to do a mafia movie, like a bank robbery movie. We got a trio. We've got a trio of bank robbers here. We have Henry Golding as the front man, and he goes in and is super charming and gets the teller to lower their guard while taking stock of the situation and the locations of all the employees. And, you know, he's usually sweet-talking a lady into to, you know, letting him know the information. And then we got Jack Black as the technical guy who, who hacks into stuff and shuts off the security system. And so their system is Henry pulls out a gun and gathers all the employees after he's charming everyone, but he's doing it in a really charming and, and convincing way that's almost like, oh, oh, you lovable rogue. So they don't even really mind. It's like all those sort of classic Westerns and those, those movies where you've got the charming bank robber who they almost let him get away with it because he's so charming. And that's where Lupita Nyong'o, the safe cracker, and locksmith comes in. She opens the safe, if necessary, and then gets into all the lockboxes. So they get both the cash and the jewelry and the stuff, too. She's the, the lock picker and the safe cracker. And they get everything, and then they get out of there. And so after a few hits of a few banks, the mafia figures out who they are. So they're like an independent sort of group. And then one day... A mafia operative played by Adrian Brody. He's kind of bird-like. And he slyly finds Henry Golding and sidles up to him at a bar, strikes up a conversation, and tells him he knows who he is and he knows what he does. And they talk about it for a while, and, and Brody says that he runs this town, and Henry Golding should be working for him. But Henry's like, no, we, we, 
have an independent operation, got a good thing going here. He basically refuses to, to work with the guy. And so Brody is like, okay, fine, sure. He accepts this in, friends, in a friendly way. And they continue talking. Um, and then Adrian Brody is like, well, it sounds like you're the only one who's really in any danger. You've got to handle the gun. You've got to deal with the employees. If any of them, any of the employees decide to play hero, it's you who's got to put them down. So you're really the one putting yourself in danger. Why, why are you doing all the work? You should mix it up. Seems like Jack Black and Lupita Nyong'o are taking you for a sucker, man. And Henry sort of brushes it away, but sticks in his mind and it eats away at him to the point where a few days later he flips out and he gets mad. And then the trio argue and it becomes clear that Henry's made up his mind. He's pissed off. He's finally telling Jack Black, you're always just sitting safely in your truck outside in your tech truck with all your computer equipment. Next time you're front and center. Next time you're the front man. And so the next time they're doing a job and this time Jack Black is the lead guy. And he goes up to the counter and he tries to be all charming, but it just comes across as super weird and kind of creepy, which would honestly be hilarious to watch Jack Black just try to do all the Henry Golding, like charming, seductive moves with the bank teller. But they all just backfire and then security gets called over. And so Jack Black says, screw it. He pulls the gun and gets them all in one place. He gets all the employees in one place. And he does, as he does this, Lupita Nyong'o is back at the van and she cuts the power to the security system, but she also accidentally trips the sprinkler system. So now it's raining in the bank as Jack Black is trying to get everyone together. And Henry is there and he's like, I'll, I'll go get the money from the safe. Just, just keep everyone calm. Okay. And Jack Black is like, you think I can keep people calm? People like you. They don't like me. People don't like me. You're the charming one. How am I supposed to keep people calm? And now they're all wet. You'd probably just make a joke about it, and everyone would laugh, like, ah, ha, ha, we're in the rain. Nobody's laughing, Henry. This sucks. I'm not good at this. Why did we do this, Henry? Henry's like, fine, I'll, I'll be fast. Just, just stay here. But then Henry Golding, not as good at a safecracker, Lupita tried to teach him super quick, but couldn't pick it up, obviously, because it's not his expertise. So he tries to get in the safe, but it doesn't work. So he says, fine, I'll use this blowtorch. But the blowtorch won't light because it's all wet. Because of the sprinklers. So he asks Lupita Nyong'o to try to open the safe remotely. But she accidentally just sets off all the security lights in front of the building. And so then, then there's like blaring security lights and an alarm. And just draws attention to the bank. But she manages to turn them off. And Henry goes back to the employees and he just asks one of them to let him into the safe. And the young woman who would normally be charmed by him at this point isn't charmed at all. Because the whole situation's going to hell. And Henry just looked ridiculous, but she's just like, fine, just so you'll all leave before this gets worse, before you accidentally shoot someone, I'll, I'll let you into the safe. And so Henry gets into the safe, and he's about to start loading up the bags with the money. And so he drops all of his bags onto the ground to start loading them up in, when he's in the safe, at which point the blowtorch that he had been unsuccessfully trying to light hits the ground as he drops the bags. And then the blowtorch accidentally turns on and lights the big stack of cash on fire. So Henry Golding's jacket catches fire too, and Jack Black hears this and panics and runs in to help and sees just the whole giant stack of cash on fire and Henry Golding on fire and the employees and security are following and they, and they watch as Jack Black just jumps around Henry Golding trying to put the fire out and they're just staring at these two like, man, this is pathetic. What a terrible pair of bank robbers. And they finally put the fire out and they're like, yes, we did it. Don't worry, everyone, put the fire out. And then the employees just close the door 
to the safe and, and just lock them in. And so the police get there, they storm in and arrest them. And Lupita Nyong'o is like, oh shit, just going to quietly drive away here. But the police cars swarm the van and she's arrested as well. And we pull away from the shot of the van to see Adrian Brody sitting alongside a police officer in a detective's car. And we find out that Adrian Brody tipped off the police after Henry refused his deal. And he said what he said to intentionally sow discord among the group to bring some friction. So, you know, they might not be as quick and as smooth and give a, a, a sliver of an opening so they'd be able to catch him. But he had no idea that they just completely fall apart into a total mess. And he makes some, some clever, clever line about how Adrian Brody always gets what he wants in the end. He runs this town, Brody style. The end. So that's how I do it. That's how I would turn this medieval tale about a mouse and a bird and a little sausage into a bank robbery flick, which would be pretty fun. I'd watch it. I'd watch the shit out of that movie. And yeah, that will do it for this week's episode. Come on back next week for a story titled Mother Hole. Hole is spelled with two L's. Don't really know what's going on there, but we'll find out next week. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Hit me up with your own adaptation ideas on Twitter, on Instagram. I don't really check the Instagram, to be honest, and I'm terrible at Twitter. Send them over to me. Would love to see them. You can also check out the website, ShadowBearStorySessions.com. You can donate there. You can contact me. Give some feedback. Your favorite sections, your favorite adaptation. Love to hear from you. We'll be back next week with Mother Hole. My name is Zach Stewart, and these are the Shadow Bear Story Sessions.